Denise, amazing. I not only have voice envy, I have hair envy when I look at you. It's unbelievable. God, forgive me, please. That's part of my hope for heaven. Jesus, hair, then voice. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this opportunity. Oh, the hope, this crescendo that we live in. And I pray that is the attitude of our hearts this morning. We're expectant. I know not everyone is. And Lord, I love that you accept us right where we are. But would you surprise us? Would you overwhelm us with your word and the message of grace and the passion that Paul fought with for grace? Meet us individually right where we are. Thank you, Jesus, that you're enough, that you pull us across this line of grace into freedom for which we were created. We love you and we thank you. And we pray these things in your matchless, risen, ascended, glorious name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Grab your message notes. We're in Galatians chapter 2. I want you to meet Maverick. Uh, Maverick is a finalist in the Westminster Dog Show. We know we just had Westminster last week. Maverick competed in 2012. If you don't know, Westminster is the Super Bowl of dog shows. Uh, Westminster is filled with dogs of impeccable pedigree, costly breeding, unbelievable grooming fees. But that wasn't Maverick's story. What makes Maverick unique? He was bought on Craigslist. Uh, When his owner went to pick him up, Maverick was in a cage. He was emaciated. He was chained, 20 pounds underweight. He was so stressed, he chewed through his own tail. He had a staph infection on his nose. He was a mess. But then his owner nursed Maverick back to health. He loved Maverick, and he said, wow, what a beautiful dog. And he showed him in a local competition, and guess what? Maverick won. And then he won again and again and again until finally he worked his way up to Westminster. ABC picked up the story, did a national news event on Maverick. A book's been written on Maverick. He travels around as a traveling speaker. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But at the end of the ABC story, this is the closing line. Maverick went, get this, from forgotten to unforgettable. That's exactly what the gospel does, men and women. I love that story because I see the gospel in it. Now track with me. Maverick had a former life. He was abused. He was caged. He was sick. He was broken. There was no way out. But then he was ransomed. He was freed from his crate. He was healed, loved, provided for. Maverick was given a life he could never attain on his own. Maverick crossed a line, or better yet, was pulled across a line that today we're calling the line of grace. Into a line, into a realm where you live into something you could never earn on your own. The line of grace is what prompted Paul to write the letter to the Galatian churches. Less than 20 years after Jesus had been crucified, died, buried, resurrected, his church, 20 years after his life, was about to set aside the grace of God and go back to a thousand-year-old system of religious effort and human effort to earn God's favor. 
And Paul writes and says, no, you can't do this. You're blurring the line of grace. You're moving back into a line of religion, into a realm of religion. And that's what Galatians is all about. Look at the theme verse on the top of page 1, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, our theme verse for the morning. Look what it says. Paul says, I don't set aside, the word means to reject, to invalidate, to annul. I doubt anyone here would really reject the grace of God. We all want the grace of God, but I hope you're going to see by fourth, before the morning's over, we don't necessarily outwardly reject it, but inwardly we do, thinking God loves us more if, once we're Christians. Paul says, I don't set aside the grace of God. I'm not blurring the line. For if righteousness, that just means to be right before God, if righteousness could be gained through the law, that's religious works, Christ died for what, church? Nothing. Nothing. What? See, I don't even need faith to understand this passage. It just makes sense. If there's multiple, and this is the cultural thinking, if there's multiple ways to get to God, to get to heaven, to have a relationship with God, besides Jesus only, why did Christ have to die? If salvation is a buffet filled with many options, Eat what you want. Eat what feels good to you. It's all about you after all. And then you'll get to heaven. Would Jesus really just be option 101 after the 100 options on the buffet table? It just doesn't make sense. When Jesus was in the garden saying, Father, if there's a plan B, let's go with it right now. If I could be spared from the cross, don't let me go. And the father says, there's no plan B. Would God really send his son to die just to be one of a multitude of options on how to get to heaven? Paul's saying, wait a second, think. Jesus plus is not a way to get to heaven. It's Jesus only. Now I want you to reflect for a minute. How are you setting aside the grace of God? Just think. Where in your life do you think God loves you more if? That's a great way to think how you're setting aside the grace of God. Just reflect for a minute with me. God loves you more if you're a follower of Christ. God loves you more if. How do you end that sentence? Let me build this out, because Paul comes out with such passion and vigor here. Let's put a context to this. Chapter 1, Paul, uh, we looked at this last week, explains how he was transformed from a religious terrorist, a Christian killer, to a Christian evangelist. And what was the difference? Grace. Grace. Chapter 2, we're jumping into, we're autobiographical. Between chapter 1 and chapter 2, if you write in your Bibles, you can just write this, 14 years have passed in this story that Paul's telling of himself. Paul has crossed the line of grace, and he's now a pastor in a church called Antioch. Does that sound familiar? We studied that church all of January, right? Remember this huge city, third largest in the Roman Empire. It rests on what's called the ancient Silk Road. You know that, right? The ancient Silk Road. The ancient Silk Road is what separated the east from the west, and all the trade went from the Orient into Europe through the ancient Silk Road. All the ancient Silk Road had to pass through Antioch. 
And here's where God plants this church. It's multicultural. It's, it's beautiful empire. It's, it's multi-ethnic. It's prosperous commercially. And here's where the church is planted. Great numbers of Gentiles are crossing the line of grace. Remember that in Acts chapter 11, three times we see that word great numbers? Uh, and coming to faith in Christ. But then a religious group from Jerusalem, I put the star David, where Jerusalem is related to the red star where Antioch is, uh, they come up and they say, wait a second, you have it all wrong. Uh, They had no category uh, for a Christian who wasn't kosher. And these Gentiles were coming to faith, but they weren't adhering to kosher religious Jewish laws, specifically circumcision. I believe at this point, Paul was gone on his missionary journey. He heard that these uh, Judaizers, they're called, or the circumcision group, and uh, they're also called, or the group from James, they're called in chapter 2, had come into the church, and he's livid. He saw people set free from the gospel, and now they're, if you could use our maverick illustration, going back into their crate. And he's saying, wait a second, Christ didn't die for nothing. You can't add to what took place on the cross. How do I say this to us? If you're in Christ, Jesus loves you no more than he does right now. He loves you no less based on what you did last night or last week. The basis of God's love for you if you're in Christ is that symbol that hangs on our wall, the cross. God will never love you more than right now if you're in Christ. God will never love you less than he does right now if you're in Christ. It's as if God, if we're in Christ, puts on a special lens. And when he looks at you, he says, oh, look, there's Mike Weiss. I don't see Mike Weiss the sinner anymore. I see my son, Jesus Christ, in Mike Weiss. And I love my son in Mike Weiss. It's the lens he puts on from the cross. That's grace, men and women. And that's what Paul's fighting for. What is this line of grace? Open up to page two and let me show you how grace transforms us all. And remember, this line cannot be crossed in your own effort. Jesus offers, like Dan, who's the owner of Maverick, to open the crate and says, I'm the only one who can get you across the line. Are you coming with me or not? The choice is yours. Stay in the cage or come to freedom with me. Okay? From slavery to freedom. That's the first line that's crossed. Slavery to freedom. You know, I studied in Europe this summer, primarily in Assisi. Let me tell you one of the highlights of Assisi. Above Assisi is a 12th century castle called the Rocco Maggiore. Uh, And it's this fortress that guarded Assisi. I was so lonely, and I knew God wanted me to go. I was there by myself to lonely places and to be lonely. I needed to be lonely. I'm so about people, I needed to be lonely. So I, I one day walked up above Assisi into the castle, and there was another American-looking guy. And I'm like, thank the Lord, someone who speaks English. And so we were touring the castle by ourselves. And we would look at each other and smile and go up a level, smile again. It's a huge castle. We'd go across, oh, there he is, smile. We didn't say any words. We finally got to the top, and he had crossed a barrier and was in a forbidden zone taking pictures. And when I got up there, he was coming from the forbidden zone. He says, shh, this was my chance. And I said, do you speak English? He goes, yes, I do, I do. I go, ah, so do I, and I'm so lonely. I just blasted him with words. Anyway, long story short, I said, uh, where are you from? He said, Santa Cruz. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. 
I'm from Redwood City. I'm like, ah, he goes, but I live in Arizona now. And he says, where'd you go to college? He goes, Sac State, Harvard of the West. And he says this, so did I. He goes, what was your major? I'm like, business, what was yours? Engineering. He's an engineer in, uh, in Arizona. And I, uh, he said, what are you doing now? And I'm like, oh, you'll never guess. I said, I'm a pastor. He goes, no way. He goes, I'm a follower of Christ too. He goes, when did you become a Christian? I go, my freshman year at Sac State. So did I. I go, what? He goes, yes. I lived in the dorm. I go, I was an RA in the dorms. What dorm? It was different dorms, okay? The story stops there. But he said someone invited him to a small group Bible study led by a covenant church, and he met Christ in the Bible study. I said, what changed in your life? And this is a quote. He said, are you kidding? What hasn't changed? They didn't know this, but I was depressed. I was suicidal. Uh, I, was, I was hating life. But I, I hid all that and gave into the peer pressure and went to alcohol and, and relationships and yada, yada, yada. He says, Christ came into my life and free, freed me from that. He says, do you know how free I am? I go, no, tell me. I'm free enough, obviously, to pass a barrier up here in the majority. And he said, uh, I'm a part-time worship pastor. I said, you've got to be kidding me. I go, well, we got to worship right now. we got to sing something. And so together on the Rocco Maggiore over Assisi, we belted out amazing grace over the city. Because that's what grace does. It frees you. And this is what Paul's saying. This is why he's so passionate. Because the freedom of the Gentiles was at stake. Look what it says in Galatians 2, verse 4 to 6. Look what he says. The matter arose because some false believers... Now, these are believers. They're just not, they're, they're holding to Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but it's Jesus plus, which eradicates the Jesus part. Okay? They infiltrated, interesting word, our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ. Religious people always hate religious freedom. Religious people hate grace. We have in Christ. And to make us slaves, we didn't give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God shows no favoritism. They added nothing to my message, Paul's saying. See, we are created to be free. Our souls cry out for it. But the common perception is uh, grace binds you. And we looked at this last week. Do you remember Titus 2.11? If, just write it in your notes if you don't remember it. Grace, properly understood, actually leads to looking more like Jesus, not looking less like Jesus. It's not a freedom to sin. It's a freedom for becoming the best version of yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Grace, properly understood, leads to serving Christ more vigorously. Paul says this, By the grace of God, I am who I am. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Yet his grace to me was not without effect. Really, Paul, what did grace do to you? Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 15, what? 10. I worked harder than most. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was a different kind of effort. Prior to Christ, Paul would say, I worked to earn God's favor. Coming to Christ, I worked from God's favor. Do you know the difference? 
Whether I work or don't work, Paul says, I have favor with God. But his grace was so good, I wanted to press in and know him more. It's like a good marriage. I'll be honest with you. I, I married way, and I'm not just, I'm not blowing smoke. Uh, my wife will be in the second service. She'll hear this. I married way out of my league. And knowing that doesn't make me go, oh, good, I can just neglect her. No, 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 no. I press in. I work to serve. I'm not the perfect husband. She'll tell you that. But her, her being so amazing motivates me to step up and be the husband God wants me to be. Paul's saying that in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Grace, oh, it's so good. It motivated me to love Jesus. It motivated me to gather with the body of Christ because I learned something new about the Jesus I love. It motivated me to read because I learned something new about the Jesus I love. I'm not motivated by being better so God will love me. God loves me. I'm free. I'm motivated from that freedom for grace to change me to be the best version of me possible. Do you get this? This is really important. Because the word on the street is, I mean, trust me, as we're branching out like never before in the city, the word on the street is Christ is a straitjacket. And I love talking to people like this and say, really, freedom. Uh, actually, the reality is Christ, because your biggest constraints aren't outside you. They're inside you. And only Christ can set you free from what's inside if you're so free, I've had this conversation multiple times. Last time I was on a run in Edgewood Park with a buddy of mine, and it wasn't combative. We have a great relationship. He's not in Christ. And I said, and I know his life. And I'm like, so if you're so free, stop drinking. If you're so free, stop the womanizing. If you're so free, stop finding your identity in your work and what you make. If you're so free, why can't you stop your anger issue with your kids? even though you know it's killing your family. You think I'm constrained because I'm in Christ? <laughs> I think you're constrained. Our biggest constraints aren't inside us, and they don't lie with the government or our big bad culture or inflation or the cost of living. Our biggest constraints are interior. interior. The freest person I know in this church has a degenerative disease, and she has joy that is just contagious and at times when I think she's crazy I go no actually maybe I'm crazy she's normal Christ came the line of grace to pull us I'm telling you out of that cage into freedom don't you want that I know I do then it goes on further look at this the second one division to unity oh we need this today listen closely because I believe this is a critical area that would be a key apologetic in our day, specifically in 2017. The last issue of Time magazine in 2016 on the cover called our United States the divided states of America. And I couldn't agree more. And what's sad to me is that the division has crept into the church. Uh, and it crept into the church in Galatia too. Um, and these aren't unique times in church history. Galatians was written in a far more divisive and politically charged time than even our own. Yet it was in these times where divisions, I'm talking about political, ethnic, socioeconomic, abounded within the church. In those times, the church thrived. Why? Because they lived to a higher allegiance. They didn't put away their preferences. Is everyone hearing me? 
They held to their preferences, but they didn't let their preferences divide the church. They were pulled up into a higher allegiance. I'm reading a fascinating biography right now on Ronald Reagan. And just this weekend, I got to the point where uh, Reagan was shot, the assassination attempt. It's just 69 days into his presidency, and he's leaving the Hilton Hotel after delivering his speech to a trade union. Suddenly, he hears a pop, pop, pop. Six rounds went off in a second and a half. Jerry Parr, his head of security, tackles Reagan and throws him into the limousine. And as they're going, they realize he's been shot, and they take him to George Washington Hospital. And Reagan walked in with Jerry Parr. He was still coherent, and they found out as they uh, undid his vest and his, um, his uh, suit. He actually, his protocol was to wear a bulletproof vest, but that day it was just a quick walk, and so he said, don't put it on. Um, as he's going in, the doctor's about, says, we've got to operate on you, and he says to the doctor, oh, I hope you're a Republican. <laughs> now, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, the doctor voted for, Jerry, uh, for Jimmy Carter. The doctor was a Democrat, but he says this, Mr. President, today we're all Republicans. What did he mean by that? There's something higher than our political difference driving us here. That's exactly what Paul's going to get at here. There is a higher ethic than any preference. And take politics out, music style, uh, for the uh, Galatian church, uh, the rules you need to keep to get to Christ, how you need to dress, uh, all that. You know, we all have preferences we have. Uh, Paul says there's a greater allegiance than those preferences. Look what he says in Galatians 2, verse 9. He says, James, Cephas, John, those that would be Peter, by the way, right? Uh, those esteemed as pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace that was given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they'll go to the circumcised. That's an ethnic division. Okay? All they asked is that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was uh, eager to do all along. See, we'll never find unity in a church our size around politics, around preferences. We'll never find unity around preferences. It will never happen. Where we find our unity is the mission of God, the kingdom of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ, looking in many, many different ways. Many different ways. Uh, last year I read at Fair Oaks School, predominantly Hispanic Latino school, 99% of the students that attend Fair Oaks live below the level of poverty. And it was so amazing to me to go into the reading center and I saw PC Sears all over the place. I have a vivid memory of, of PCCers playing basketball with kids. This is midweek, volunteering their time. And there were uh, politically red PCCers there and blue PCCers there. And the unity was palpable, palpable. There were right-wingers and left-wingers. And I went to my car, I'm like, yes, the whole gospel bird is swooping in for the kingdom of God. That's how we have to be. It's how we have to be. That's exactly what Paul's getting at. Look, at in Galatians 3, next chapter, we'll get to this next week. Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's not slave nor free. There's not male or female. Those are all divisive things in the Roman Empire. Paul says, you are all what, church? I'm sorry, you are all what? One. You know what that word means in the Greek? One. <laughs> You're all one in Christ Jesus. We're not going to be one politically. And that's what makes us beautiful. 
We're not going to be one uh, ethnically. That's what makes us beautiful. We're a mosaic. We're growing as a mosaic to the uh, beauty of God's grandeur. We're not going to be one preference-wise. But we're one in Jesus, and that's what matters, okay? Only grace will bring that about. Only grace. Religion, and by religion I mean our efforts adding to the cross will never bring about unity. Some of you are offended right now that I used a Reagan illustration. I saw you reach for your comic cards. <laughs> Do you know my last sermon I ever preached? I'm preparing it. Uh, I have a file of anonymous response cards. And my last sermon is going to be Dear Anonymous Response Card Filler Outer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Put those away. Listen, politics matters. I care about our country. I care about our democracy. All that matters. I voted uh, this last election. We all have a preference. Put it away for the sake of Christ. Jesus is greater, okay? Let's go to our last one. Grace will pull you. This is key. From hypocrisy to integrity. Hypocrisy to integrity. I love how one pastor put it. He said, our churches should feel more like a waiting room for a doctor and less like a waiting room for a job interview. Okay, track with me. In the latter job interview, we all try to look as competent and impressive as we can. That's religion. Dress yourself up to come before others, to come before God, because God only wants nice, clean, dressed up people. Weaknesses are buried in job interviews and hidden. But in a waiting room, I love this, we all assume everyone there is sick and needs help. Turn to someone right now and go, you're sick. Come on, do it. It feels good. <laughs> hey, what happened in church today? I was told I was sick. It never felt so good. Then this pastor said this. The scene is much closer to the reality of what's going on in the church. We're all sick. We're all hypocrites. None of us were the person we, play, we claim to be right now on last night. None of you will worship God with the vigor you did with that opening hymn or what you felt on the edge of your seat, the crescendo, when Denise was singing tomorrow morning when you go to work. We all have a degree of hypocrisy. We all step it up when we come together. But let's just be real clear. We're a waiting room. We need the great physician. This isn't about looking good or feeling good or being better than we really are. We're all sick. How did Paul put it? Look at Galatians 2, verse 13 to 14. He said the other Jews joined him, this is Peter, in his, what's that word? Hypocrisy, to wear a mask is what the word means. It was a theater term in the first century. To wear a mask and to be incongruent with what you projected and who you were. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line, that word's so important, I just defined it for you in your message notes. When I find they weren't straight walking, literally, ortho, Padeo, orthodontist, straight teeth, padeo, podiatrist, walk, orthopadeo. When I found they weren't walking in line, what's the line that we're supposed to walk? Is it religion? No. Is it rules? No. It's the gospel of God's grace. This is what gives Paul passion. I measure my whole life by the gospel of God's grace. And when I found they weren't walking in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, Cephas, in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? P uh, Peter preceded the other group. He was eating with the Gentiles. He threw the kosher laws 
out and was just enjoying meals, but then the Jewish people, the pillars show up, and Peter goes, I can't eat with you anymore, and leaves the table. And then he says to Paul's right-hand man, Barnabas, get over here, You you can't be with him. And Paul's the only one left living in the freedom of the gospel. Paul, I mean, he was the the leading Pharisee of his day. If anyone would have left the table based on biblical grounds, it would have been Paul before he became a Christ, leading Pharisee. But only Paul's standing, and he's fighting for the truth of the gospel and the freedom of the gospel. You have no idea how close the church was at this point to losing the freedom that we enjoy in Christ. God's ultimate design is to, through grace, bring everything in our lives in alignment with the gospel, the gospel, the freedom we have in Christ. So back to Maverick, that dog, Westminster. A woman sees the story on ABC and starts crying because it turns out that she was Maverick's breeder. And she had bred Maverick. Maverick had an amazing pedigree. In his lineage were Westminster champions. And a person fronted himself and bought Maverick to abuse him and then went off the radar and she couldn't find him for years until the story of Westminster. And she, once, uh, once he was ransomed, she realized, oh my gosh, someone saved Maverick. And she told the man, no, he wasn't a mutt, he wasn't a throwaway, he had this amazing pedigree. But he was brought and abused and caged beyond his control. He needed a savior. And she looked at Dan, his owner, and said, thank you. You brought uh, Maverick back to the person he was intended, or the dog he was intended to be. That makes me, I know I'm demented, that's why I'm a pastor. That makes me want to worship Jesus so much because it's exactly what Jesus offers for you and me. We've all wandered into sin. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 would say we are under control of the enemy, our arch enemy. And Jesus came in and opened our cage when we were abusing ourselves and being abused and saying, I'm the only one that can pull you across the line of grace. Are you coming with me or not? I'm here not to judge you, not to say, look at you, you're, you're emaciated, you, you look at you, oh, you stink. I'm here to save you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here to nurture you. Church, which is it going to be for us? Look at page two and three. Do we want to be a church that highlights slavery, division, hypocrisy? Or are we going to walk in line with the gospel and live in freedom, unity, and integrity? I don't know about you, but I am who I am because this church has always leaned towards the latter. And we're about to put our pedal on the metal and just go full throttle on the gospel and on those values. Amen? It's going to be quite a ride. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom of the gospel. I'm just going to pause in the middle of this and invite you. Maybe you feel like you're caged right now. I'm going to invite you to take the hand of Jesus, to turn from yourself. And it's a one-word prayer. Yes. Yes to grace. Yes to Jesus. Yes to your freedom. Yes to the gospel. Yes to forgiveness. Yes to becoming the man or woman you created me to be. I'm in a crate. I can't get out. 
I have no internal freedom. You're my only hope. And so, Jesus, I'm saying yes to you. That's the prayer that man that I met in Assisi prayed. It's a prayer I prayed. It's a prayer that many of you have prayed that's brought freedom, that makes us worship. We don't have to earn God's favor. We have it when we say yes to Jesus. Have you said yes to Jesus? Today can be your day. Just say that. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And at the end of this gathering, you go to the information table. Peter will tell you how to get there. And we'll get you information on how to grow in that relationship with Christ. Lord, thank you for the beauty of Galatians 2 and the gospel. We love you. Oh, thanks for these people that have lived it so well for decades, living in grace. May we do it more and more and more. We pray in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church Podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.